0: Musicians, man. The best ones always have a dark size. I refuse to believe that Mitch is capable of earning what he won. He's a good and decent person. Phil one's completely good and decent. Yeah, yeah, but he's as good as they come. Sure, maybe a quarter of him is a little bit dark, but he's a musician. What do you expect? But the other three quarters are the good friend I've known and trusted my entire life. the excuse me. I'm going to enjoy my chicken tenders meal while I take in this show.
1: Somewhere men are laughing and somewhere children shout, but there is no joy in Mother Mighty Casey
2: has sung.
1: Gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for visiting.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a very special episode of Mudville. It is Saturday, December 30th, and I'm one of your hosts, Nolan Rabine. I am Brody Stab, your other host. And today we're joined by a truly singular guest, Matt Farley of Moturn Media. Matt, how are you today, man?
2: I'm doing great. This is a huge honor. Thank you. This is an even <laughs> bigger honor, honor for, for us. us. <laughs> but
0: uh, For those who, who may not know, Matt is perhaps the most prolific and independent American artist. Uh, we talked about his other 2023 film, Boston Johnny, on an earlier episode. Matt and his director, Charlie Roxburgh, have been on an incredible run these last few years with Metal Detector Maniac, Heard She Got Married. Magic Spot, Boston Johnny, and now Heard She Got Murdered, all coming out since 2021. Matt has put out over 20,000 songs under various monikers, including the Toilet Bowl Cleaners, Paparazzi and the Photogs, and the guy who sings songs about cities and towns, among many others. He put out an album just this week with his band Moe's Haven. He's written a book, The Moturn Method. Forgive me if I missed anything.
2: (laughs) No, you said all good stuff, and um, it's actually well. You said over twenty thousand, which is accurate. But uh, next month, I'm going to hit twenty five thousand. Oh my god! God. Yeah,
0: congratulations, man. Thank you. What an accomplishment. We're here today to talk about the new film. Heard she got murdered, which I just finished up last night, and I'm super film. Yeah.
2: So this it's at the Somerville Theater near Boston, and. you can they have a micro cinema just thirty one seats that you can rent out um for a pretty reasonable price um and so I've been doing that lately, just uh this is my third and um it was really cool because like. I don't think anyone can predict how the movie's going to end. You know, <laughs> are, do we do, spoilers or what? Here,
0: I was actually going to ask you. Uh, it's your film, so if yeah. you are okay doing spoilers, I'm certainly okay. I was going to proceed with uh, caution, but I'll yeah. follow your lead here.
2: Let's go. Let's spoil away. You All know, right. if you anyone out there, go go see the movie, then come listen. But yeah, I mean, the fact <laughs> that's a good idea. The fact that there are four of me by the end of the movie. I mean. No one who could possibly have expected that and and I just like um, we're we're really setting people up throughout the whole movie. Detective Mayo is like Mitch has four personalities, you know <laughs> and like nevertheless, nevertheless like, there's no way anyone's gonna see it going in that direction. so it, it was personally uh delightful for me to just sit back in in the back row and 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 watch people be
0: uh, subjected to that. I certainly thought of that a lot, you know, as he gives that line of a few different times where he says, uh, Mitch Owens is 75% good man and great musician, but 25% evil murderer. And I don't know, that, that, that kind of made me think, aren't we all, right? You took that in a very literal sense at, at the end of the movie, and, and like you said, you know, completely unpredictable. I didn't see it coming, and it's one of my favorite endings of, of the year in a wall-to-wall entertaining film. So how did the people at, at last night's event respond to it, you know, where everybody there for the... Yeah.
2: One of the actors, the guy, um, and one of the actors, T Max, who's in it, um, got tons. He, he, grew- he, he used to live in that area, so he had a lot of friends in the area. So about two thirds of the audience were friends of him who came to see him, and they had no idea. They had never seen any of my <laughs> movies. And so uh, I could kind of feel that that it was taking them a little while to, to acclimate to the, our style, you know? Like the other third of the audience was like you know people who had come to previous screenings and and had seen a bunch of the movies and and they were on board but like the other the other um, part of the group took a little while and it's I don't know I, and who knows you know as the one of the filmmakers it's like you you're overthinking the whole process of course you know? but. I feel like I can feel how it's being received. And so it was a little cool at first, but then, you know, when the guy wakes up out of the coma, by then people were just roaring <laughs> with <laughs> laughter. You know? That's great. I actually,
1: I had a question for you about that. Because, um, like, at one of your screenings, do you find yourself watching the audience or do you actually try to, you know, watch the movie and think, about how it looks in a more, you know, what's the Objective word? Objective way. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you haven't seen it on yeah. a big screen. On a big screen, or, screen yeah, yeah. Do you see yourself kind of needing to uh, to feel the room more?
2: It's more that I'm feeling the room, okay. for sure. You know, it doesn't happen very often. And, um, and then I'm, I'm frequently like disappointed that the things I think are funniest are like no one laughs like and like in magic spot there's a scene where um the woman outside of her house says like talks about how she's broken hearted and and I just say all right bye and walk away (laughs) we didn't even do that on purpose to be funny we just clumsily ended the scene and uh it gets a big laugh every time
0: personally in uh the new one what what really got me was um Bruce with bruce the Repetition of the line how he wants to expand to local breweries and eateries. Eateries, uh, yeah, that really got me. I liked that a lot. But yeah, uh, you mentioned the the newer audience members having to uh sort of adjust to what it is you guys do. That made me think of Magic Spot with Poopy's acclamation to the absolutely. New yeah. um, yeah. You know that that seems like such a like almost one-to-one like literary uh, metaphor for people like, watching your movies and uh i don't know i i feel like um there have been so many steps taken recently like in how people have approached your movies and like that feels like an example to me of just one of the more like metatextual criticisms that come from having a larger audience reacting to the work and being swayed to it by their friends or by other critics and you know that that's something that of course happens when people are willing to like open their minds and see something in a way that they're not acclimated to seeing it already yeah
1: i was gonna say boss johnny was the first of yours that i'd seen and i was not like no one did not hear me of what i was he was like oh this is a movie we got to watch something (laughs) all right sure Um, You can't be prepared for Boss and Johnny, though. You know what? I'm so glad. I'm so glad he didn't try because after, like, it took about 10 minutes for, is that like his voice? Or, like, what are we doing here? And then I, like, once you can just kind of relax and have fun with it, you just have a great time watching. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I was, I was nervous. I was nervous about Boss and Johnny because
2: I really, this is. This is an assault on the (laughs) audience. It's (laughs) it's very broad. (laughs) I can't believe we're doing this. You know, I kept waiting for Charlie, you know, to just be like, like, no, you've gone too (laughs) 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 far.
1: Actually, I had a question for you about the repetition thing because I noticed in, you know, Boston Johnny do that a I, uh, like, Even now to this day, like, I'm from a very woodsy town, and whenever, like, me and my girlfriend go for a hike, I'm like, look, we're like the man of the woods. <laughs> it's like still, but it just kind of gets locked in your brain. But as, like, a musician, you know, coming from a music background, that's such a music idea of having something, if you want it to be catchy, do it a lot. <laughs> like, you know, or if yeah. you want it to kind of, you know, uh, what is it? It's like repetition makes it... Um, Repetition means validation because the more you do it, the more it feels like it should be there or something. So it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. Do you take a lot of uh, inspiration from your music and your writing?
2: Um, yeah, not, no, no. I mean, not consciously. I, it's not like we're writing a script and 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 I think like let me apply musicalness uh, <laughs> to it. But sure. given all the songs I've done, then I'm, yeah, uh, you know, subconsciously maybe you know that's influenced my uh, style sure but yeah but even just like um sometimes people will point out metaphors that I, I I didn't see when we were writing it I don't think Charlie saw it we're just we're just writing it uh you know on a more primal uh instinctive uh way and but I'm completely open to all interpretations um for sure you know and like we it's not like we were like oh it, we'll talk about acclamation and it'll be a metaphor for like understanding our work but like once it's over, we're like, oh, yeah, th- th- that actually does apply.
0: Right. Your work has certainly drawn comparisons to Hong Sang-soo, another filmmaker who has been accredited with sort of turning repetition into an art form. The comparison doesn't really end there either. Like you both are, are filmmakers who tend to put out multiple movies in a year. There's the black and white cinematography um, Both heard she got murdered and its predecessor are around 75 minutes. That is something that Hong tends to do as well. And you guys both also have returning players coming back to sort of riff on similar themes that you might have seen in past films or a similar character with just, you know, a minor little tweak done to change how they affect the circumstances around them. And like, I think you're both artists who like each individual project works on its own but also it has that layer for those who have seen the other work as well it provides an additional context um yeah. i'm curious if you've seen those comparisons if hong sang soo is an influence on your work at all or just if you have any thoughts in general about, about people comparing your work to his
2: well, so first, yeah, I've seen the comparisons because I scour the Internet for any mention of of me constantly. In fact, when you sent me a message to say that you had watched the movie last night, I was and in my head. I was like, I know I, I saw your letterbox <laughs> four hours ago. And then uh, Hong Sang Soo, I've never seen any of his movies, and I, you know, I probably should, uh, but or maybe I shouldn't. Yeah. Maybe we've independently um, come to some kind of similarities, and maybe we're 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 best off just doing our thing. But yeah, I mean, everything that I hear about it seems for sure uh, to hit home, and I just I maybe
0: his are his a little more serious in general. Is that the only yes. major difference? Yeah. Yes. I think that's part of why it's such an interesting comparison is like, it would seem like you're such radically different artists, but when you come down to it, there are so many similarities in your work that it, it feels like, um, you know, it prompted me to ask if that was like intentional. So, I mean, I, I think it's, it's super cool that like, there's just a tangential connection between, yeah, well, um, Um, it's, it's difficult to place.
2: And I don't know about, I don't know if Charlie has seen any of, of, of that guy's movies. Charlie sees, is a little, sees a little bit more variety of of movies. I'm, I'm more apt to just watch a movie over and over and over again. Whereas he, he, he's more apt to try different things.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My next question, uh, 2023, I feel like we've seen two Matt Farley protagonists that feel like, uh, intentional departures from what you guys do. You know, you You described Boston Johnny as an assault. Uh, Both he and Mitch Owens are both radical and chaotic in their own sense, like especially within the Motern universe. So what was it like creating these characters? And did you see it as a way of challenging yourself over the past few films?
2: Um, So, yeah, it was fun with Boston Johnny, making Boston Johnny just like despicable. As much as possible, you know, stealing a dog, you know, like how can you rally behind a, a guy who just blatantly <laughs> steals a dog and then goes to the dog's owner and tells the owner that the dog's dead, you know? It just, so it was a, a kind of fun just to be like, how, like, how, how much can we just pile on? And yet, like the movie seems to be presenting Boston Johnny as a hero, you know, like. <laughs> That like it's it's I he guess it's,
1: it up constantly, but
2: <laughs> it's 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 subversive in in some ways for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that was tons
1: of fun. Read us on modern American politics, or was that? <laughs> no.
2: Oh yeah, no, well, no, we had again. We were just like, wouldn't it be funny if we did this with no <laughs> with no other thoughts? But, um,
0: Boston oh, yeah. Johnny is our greatest
1: American. That's. <laughs>
2: And I, I loved doing it, and only when the movie was over did I have these pangs of like, what have, what what have I we done? Made?
1: <laughs> No, it was really fun. That was... Just
2: like, yeah, but you know, I, they, we definitely talked about like Little Nikki, you know? Um, oh yeah where it's like oh Adam Sandler just talks in this like really annoying unpleasant voice for the whole time like yeah but and, that
1: didn't really go that well for him so
2: yeah i know we had, we knew <laughs> that and we were like Most we, better for you <laughs> yeah. we should we should try that we love, uh we love to to take the worst influences you know like the the horror movies that no one likes and we're like let's model ourselves after those you know right and stuff like that yeah and then um Mitch Owens um I mean the, the the thing about Mitch Owens is that you know he does have similarities to me like I would check someone's car to see if the record I gave them was still in there you know and um when I give someone one of my CDs it, if I go over their house if, a few weeks later I'll check to see if the the plastic wrap has been removed <laughs> or not you know and, and so so I was just taking all those like that petty, all those petty insecurities that come with being a creative person and, and just like just letting it out and just, you know, in, in the most re- ridiculous way. But I mean, that all comes from real life feelings for sure. And I, I think any creative person can totally relate, you know, like to the uh, just the the embarrassment of self-promotion, you know. Oh, yeah. but but the fact that you just can't stop doing it too it's
0: uh it's it's good stuff it's always interesting to see uh how people put themselves into their work and like with some of your characters like with uh, especially Boston Johnny and Mitch Owens I was certainly curious as to how much of it you know you were putting of of yourself into it and uh how much of it was creating a character who you know especially in boston johnny's case is a little bit more ridiculous on his face yeah
2: yeah it was more yeah it's it's more like a larry david from boston Johnny's like larry david type scenarios you know um but like what if it's like a larry david but he's just he's he talks in a weird voice
0: <laughs> um i noticed some style choices in the new film that i thought worked very well like the performance by the mitch owens trio towards the middle of the movie you know one the music's very good it seemed like you guys were very comfortable dedicating a lot of time to it maybe even more so than in um heard she got married and i can only really remember that much emphasis being placed on some of the funnier songs like in, in other movies but that certainly isn't what's happening here And then later on, you guys cut between scenes uh, in the most tense part of the movie. uh, And I was very impressed by that. And it was something that, again, I I didn't really feel like I had seen in other Motern projects, you know, just because it really wouldn't have been necessary. And it, it felt necessary and successful here. I'm wondering how you guys continue to evolve stylistically. And if the success of the recent movies has inspired you to keep playing with form and taking risks that may not have been possible in the past
2: I mean the 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 whole success thing uh, success uh, on a relative scale, you know right um, but I think what what's most helpful for that is just the the fact that we're we're trying to do two movies a year. and so it completely frees us up to to absolutely go with what we think. You know, at, boom, let's just do this. And, and, uh, you know, for, for her, she got murdered. It, it was just like, I personally like when the plot is really just going, going, going. And so for the, that cross cutting from you get a little bit of me with the DJ, you get a little bit of, uh, of Van in the hotel with Froggy going back and forth. And just like, I, I love that. And then, you know, I, I was the one, I, I was the editor for, for that movie. And so, um, the length of time of me singing was definitely uh, informed by my love for my own music. <laughs> like, how could I possibly? We need to hear more of this one, but um, but also like, I think those songs are good, and um, I think it's important to see that like, uh, despite it all, Mitch Owens um does put put on a pretty good show. You know,
1: absolutely. I actually have a question for you about um, like that process of getting to that point. I don't know, like did you ever um ha- like struggle with, you know, making things that you thought were maybe a little ridiculous or out of, you know, the norm of things that people normally want to make and then getting to the point where hey, this is still like this has a niece, this has a lane, this is still good or kind of accepting your own style.
2: Yeah, um no, I mean, we've always had a uh, very uh, we've always been very sure sure of ourselves. So I mean, yeah, dating back to you know, almost 25 years ago, me and Charlie just in some random empty state park in Connecticut, like filming adventures in Crubin country with at no point did either of us ever
0: think like this is not exactly what we should be doing. Right. What do you want to be making? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Moving on from there, uh, we are in the middle of recording our top 10 of the year episodes, uh, both for new 2023 films uh, and for movies we watched this year for the first time. And uh, you and Charlie are actually the only ones with entries on both of my lists. Uh, I And I watched Local Legends on like January 3rd. So it was the very first one that I listed. You know, that's the movie where you lay out what Moturn Media is for For those who don't know and uh, how it came to be, but it's also 10 years old now. And it struck me that I watched it through a much different lens than people might have when it was new. One that would not exist uh, had Moturn not found some, you know, like you said, new relative level of notoriety. Um, and I discovered you guys personally through the important cinema club podcast as I suspect a lot of people have, Uh, but like 10 years after local legends, I'm curious, how has that movie changed in your eyes? And, uh, do you still see it as a reflection of where you are and of, of what you do, or do you see it and think of it as more of a time capsule of a different period in in your career?
2: Uh Um, no, I think it's pretty, I, I, I pretty much stand behind all of it still, um, for sure. And I mean, when I was writing it, uh, I was thinking just like, I need to explain, I need to explain myself. And, or even better, like the movies, especially like you put Freaky Farley in front of somebody and they just don't know what to do. And so I felt like if I make a whole movie, a whole fictional movie that explains all this stuff. Then maybe that'll be the context necessary to to watch River Beast or Freaky Farley and kind of like get it, you know. And and so uh, I think it achieved its goal. And um, you want to? Do you want to know what, what movie I'm working on right now?
0: Absolutely. Let the
2: people. It's top secret. Top secret. It's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can publish this though. It's fine. I <laughs> uh,
1: First off, no one cares, so who cares? <laughs> we have to transport the SD card in this in a uh, lockbox. <laughs> Confidential, yeah. breaking no, news. Um, no one cares, and I'm telling everyone I, I, I talk to, but yeah, Local Legends
2: Bloodbath, that's what it's called. Oh. And, um, it's a rebrand. It's going to be a slasher, but a, a slasher uh, as in the Local Legends
0: franchise. So Very fun. Lo- look out. <laughs> I am incredibly <laughs> excited for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That sounds so cool, Um, and it also kind of leads me into my next question uh, about, like, evil dj which um you you promoted yeah. towards the uh and credits of uh her she got murdered with that little teaser of Kevin McGee which i found so electric first of all but like it just hit me that there are so many different ways that you can take that project especially now that there are four of you in the heard she got murdered you okay. and like i personally drew the uh comparison to twin peaks the return you know with that evil coop doppelganger going Going out into the world and um, following just the sort of natural consequences of that while also intercutting with a lot of musical performances and just sort of like darkly ironic scenes with a lot of like memorable line deliveries. I don't know. I'm (laughs) rushing a little bit now, but like... I'm curious where you think, if you're comfortable talking about this, of course, like, where do you want to go moving forward with this series, and like, how do you want to keep experimenting with Evil DJ as the third film in this trilogy?
2: Yeah, uh, well, um, Evil DJ, I imagine the DJ in the movie, DJ Teresa, she, something happens to make her upset with the the world, we have to figure that out, but and she wants to, she and she figures out a way to manipulate the frequencies of her uh of her radio transmitter and she can she can murder anyone any specific person who's listening to her show at any moment and that's all we have right now but i mean what a great concept and it's it, it,
0: terrifying
2: it, it totally is just like uh I mean part of it is, is, you know, she lives she lives in New York City too, actually. And uh so she's only up here in the Boston area um uh, a few times a year. So we were like, Well if you're in the sequel, we'll have to have something we can film you all in one day and then we're like, Ooh, evil DJ. We can film all your scenes in a day. You never have to leave uh the microphone. That'll be nice and easy. Uh so it's it's very much like uh T- taking our limitations into consideration before we have any uh any creative decisions so but the limiting uh, aspect like the limiting aspects of that is actually good because it's when you can make a movie about absolutely anything then almost there's too many options and uh it, it stifles you but So Evil DJ um, is not really on the docket, though. Evil Puddle is uh, the next one we're going to film in the spring. I'm very excited about that. Like I said, there's the Local Legends sequel. I'm very excited about a movie called uh, Losers Out, which is going to be about a one-on-one group of friends who do a one-on-one basketball league. Oh, my God yeah so so that and that one's going for a little more like naturalistic um performances kind of like the way we we are in metal detector maniac where we're like pretty much ourselves maybe just a little bit funnier you know so um and then yeah i can't even there's you know we want to make sequels like everything freaky farley 2 a, a river beast sequel and so um it's really just uh if we can keep uh, keep the gang together and keep, you know, oh, another idea, I'd like to make a movie with absolutely nobody that we've ever worked with before, including me. I wouldn't even be in it either. Like, wouldn't that be weird? If we That'd just, be amazing. Yeah, the entire cast was people that we've you've never seen in any of our movies
1: like wh- what would that be that would be wild i'll They're be in, in it if, if, oh good yeah if, absolutely yeah sure right here too but um if you ever uh if you ever work with people too who don't know who you are i'd be curious to know how they would take your uh your oh, direction yeah. <laughs> like, that would be a fun like yeah. social experience like yeah 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 you know, how well, freaking you know or how well they can kind of expand their uh <laughs> their palette you yeah know?
2: i think it like uh in the old days, we were recruiting strangers all the time. And, we, you know, our movie uh, Monsters, Marriage, Murder in Manch Vegas was was plagued by actors who who bailed on us because really? we didn't really have any kind of track record. Like, fr- we had made Freaky Farley. There were DVDs, you know, and we tried to show it to people. See, look. Right, right this, this is, nice is real. Movie. Yeah, <laughs> right. But yeah. At, at least now you can look us, look us up and, you know, yeah. Uh, just getting on to 2B or Amazon Prime, it's like, all right, it's going to make your troubles worth it, hopefully.
0: Yeah. 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 Oh, that's really cool. What do you think would happen if Boston Johnny and Mitch Owens were in the same room at the same time?
2: <laughs> yeah. Mitch would not, Mitch would murder uh, Boston Johnny
0: in, <laughs> in <the> record time. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to mention that scene in Local Legends. Uh the one that I really connected with was the one where you were playing one on one basketball with soup and you were trying to, to figure out how to get a scorekeeper to come and like keep your guys stats like with yeah. or uh I think Kevin Kevin McHale and uh you know yeah. protecting pretending to be the basketball players and like that is totally something that i would have done with with my friends and it is not the kind of thing that like i ever thought that i would be able to see in a movie (laughs) And, like, that is, I think, you know, that captures just the inherent magic, like, of what it is you guys do, is, like, you put things on screen that people don't expect to ever see on screen, and you guys do it in a way that works in a way they've never seen it work before. Um, Yeah, well, I think that, yeah, that's something, specifically
2: for local legends, around that era, or, yeah, I mean for a a long time but there there are movies like uh tiny furniture you know with lena dunham um and you know more power to her she's she's wonderful and successful but i watched that and i was like this doesn't uh this is not my like this this does not match with my reality as a creative person you know where it's like and then uh, francis ha and i don't even know those movies might have come out alongside uh, the same year or the year after but just there's several movies like that where they depict like a young uh uh, up-and-coming uh artistic person and and they never speak to me in any way and they just they feel completely uh inauthentic and just like uh and again it's inauthentic to my personal um my life i'm just like well that's not so what my life is like you know and so I was Anybody feeling like, uh, like we should. Uh, I I want to make a
0: movie that um that shows what it's like for me. So I took care of it. That's incredible. And yeah, uh, Francis Ha I believe did come out in 2012, just one year before Local Legends. So that's another interesting lens to kind of see Local Legends as like a response to that. Almost, I don't know. Do you- yeah. The UK giant
1: bulletin board cork board. Like, how do you balance? 17 different movies bouncing around in your head like all these characters plots ideas you know what's your what's your yeah. process this um we have google, a lot of google docs me and charlie and uh
2: and we'll text each other a lot like even this morning i, I texted a few ideas for the losers out movie and he texted back a few of his ideas and I'll, I'll transcribe those onto the, the Google Doc. And what's funny is, like, by the time, it once it's time to actually sit down and write, like, at least 50% of what we've written down is irrelevant, like, to where the plot has, has <laughs> evolved, right? evolved, exactly. Like, yeah. and you go through all these ideas, you're like, well, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. But you just have to, it, like, if we waited six more months to sit down and write it, it would be a whole other new movie by then, right. too. Right it's like this is just the one what you know <laughs> this is the one that came out Coming when out right now
1: exactly. <laughs> you've a favorite that you've made anything like stand out above the rest that either it was most fun making it or you think it came out the best
2: um I th- lately magic spot is the one that I'm I'm most happy with in uh and the one that I feel most confident about recommending to people I I think everyone can can um sit down and follow the story and get get on board with it. Uh, and I'm particularly so happy with the acclimate poopy scene. I mean, it's just, it's so insane as everyone's just repeating that phrase over and over again. And <laughs> he's getting ice dumped on him and, and, hopefully the viewer is, is just at some point just saying to themselves, like, what am I watching? Like, (laughs) what is going on? This is like, this is so weird. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, my, my parents are, are, are in there saying acclimate poopy and, uh, and it's funny to, to, yeah, people like Charlie's sister is one of the people doing it. And it's just funny to, to have people who, uh, Aren't even that interested in making movies. they <laughs> getting
0: involved. Yeah, forcing
2: them to be involved just because they're nice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> By the way, listeners uh, can find most of these movies on Matt's Vimeo page, uh, or you can buy the Blu-ray of the new film. Heard she got murdered now from Gold Ninja Video. And yeah, I Matt, I think we've picked your brain enough about this new film. Before we we let you go though. How do you feel about the Boston Red Sox right now?
2: <laughs> well, uh, first off, I mean, what a run they had, you know, 03 until we'll say 2018, even uh, 2020, 2021. I mean, they made it to the uh, against Houston, the ALCS. So, I mean, that's a heck of a run right there. Uh, you know, I lived around here in 03, 04, in like that era with those. <laughs> 2-7 game, 2-7 game series against the Yankees, you know, in 03 the Yankees win it, 04 the Yankees win 3 and then the Red Sox win 4.
1: Oh, uh, we
0: remember. Just,
2: okay,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, we're a fans, uh, we, we we a little sour. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I can imagine, I can imagine um and just like those players were larger than life. Oh my yeah, god. They're like Cheater and J-Rod. And, and, yeah. and fights. Sina. Yeah. Manny and uh, Ortiz and Johnny Day. De- I'm like getting goosebumps just talking about it. Yeah. Like,
1: they don't make them like that.
2: <laughs> oh, they really, they really, like, they it's really,
1: that. really, don't. Like, it's really guys. such an era.
2: <laughs> what an era. And like, just the, like the long games, but well, you didn't even care because it was just high oh, drama. One and a half hours, five hours long. And you- yeah. Awesome. And I just walked I mean, down the street and strangers would be just, strangers would stop me on the street. Like, can you believe they took, they put Tim, they didn't put Timlin in until the seventh. The you should have gone, you know, I know, uh, yeah. you know, so yeah. like, um, and then, and then it was like the residual effects of those two years for the next, you know, 15, 15, 20 years where, uh, you know, they wanted to get into seven, uh, 2013, 2018. Right. Um, But it just became a, it's you know a little bit less uh, interesting, and I think it's just the natural course of things. Uh, And now they are just, just dismal, (laughs) just
1: (laughs) brutal now. Yeah,
2: I can I can barely even name five players on the team. You know, Uh, yeah, I went
1: left. Yeah,
2: (laughs) I I I went to two games over the summer with my kids, and it, it was super fun being at the ballpark. So that's still a good experience, but. Just and and it might be like a baseball thing in general, or maybe just I'm older and I have other other things going on. But um, it definitely feels like the magic. <laughs> I mean, the magic is definitely gone, but it's cyclical. And and what a what a what a run they had. So, yeah. I, I'm I'm fully on board with the Celtics though. Uh, over the last several years, and it makes sense. Be good. That's been fun. I have my own Celtics podcast, in fact. Oh yeah, wait, why don't you plug that? What's it called? Yeah. The Moturn Media Celtics podcast. Froggy, the drummer from the movie that you watched. Um, yeah, yeah. He and I, we twice a week, we'll we'll discuss uh, the latest in, in Celtics land. And oh, Did you, you watched the game against the Pistons the other night. That uh, was my next question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was exciting. I, and was it was crazy. It's like uh, you know, you, you un like it's human nature you're gonna underestimate an opponent that's lost
1: 27 of course, twenty seven. Twenty twenty, twenty seven going for twenty eight. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's but the- twenty nine now, isn't it? Did they lose probably to- since yeah. then, yeah. Also, yeah. I yeah, and that, then um I thought they had you. And I as a Knicks fan and or more of a fan of rooting against Boston sports. Uh <laughs> I was really, really hoping that, that it would be the funniest thing I can imagine if the Celtics were the one. It would be pretty yeah, beat by these Pistons, but yeah,
2: But that that's the kind of thing that happens though. Of course, sports are we, weird. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Last night, um, we didn't have what, Perzingis, Horford, or Tatum. And um, we still and I say we because as if I'm a member of the team. Of course, we okay. yeah we still uh, took care of business against Toronto, which was really nice to see. Like uh, there, like Tatum, Tatum and Brown are awesome, but like they they don't have like the killer instinct where they like know how to take command late in a close game, and and so it's uh. It's a little hard watching that, and frankly, like I want Derek White to have the ball. And I do love Derek
1: White. He I know. Really fun to watch.
2: Yeah, and- yeah. He knows what to do in every situation. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I'd 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 like to be more interested in baseball. Like I want to, uh, and I I like to listen to the play by play. But I
1: mean, just this the last couple years with the Red Sox, just ah. Oh. Yeah. I don't blame you. This is not like when, when baseball is bad, when the team is bad, it's really hard because it's such a, like, you, it's such a time investment. And if it doesn't feel like you're getting anything out of it, it's really hard to, you know, that's why being a Yankee fan is really fun because at least, you know, they're trying, like, even when they're awful, you know that they're trying. <laughs> it's, you know, every, right. You have to, but it's, uh, you know, if that you have a right. bad season, it's not a short season. No, <laughs> no, it's really not. <laughs> Sitting down and watching a game, it's
2: just like, this is too much. That's why I listen to the play-by-play, get some exercise in. That's my my way of uh, doing it because I, I would hate myself uh, if I was, uh, especially after a loss. You sit there like, I just spent four hours watching these millionaires disappoint me, you know? <laughs> and why do I even care? Why do I even care if they win or not? Why, do, like, why does it
1: affect me? Oh, I was I was asking those questions. I asked that with the Giants a lot, but the Yankees this year, especially,
0: I was like, "Oh my god, I can't even! I can't! Like, <laughs> what <laughs> am I doing?" <laughs> the number yeah. of times that we've gotten existential about yeah. sports fandom oh in god. the nine months that we've done this podcast, I, I we, we've already lost count. You know,
2: Re- recently, my wife uh, was like asking, like, "Why? Like, why are you? Why are you watch so much basketball?" And what I said was. It there's something inspiring about watching people work together to accomplish a task. And it's nice to see it when that works out. And, and frankly, it, it can even be like, it's nice to see that it doesn't always work out. And like the, these guys are absolutely trying and you can get, you can get life lessons, uh, from it. And it, it, it totally inspires me. and gets me fired up And. uh, and so I see value in it there for sure.
1: That's why sports movies are so fun. That's you know, it's it's always great storytelling. Every little every game is a little story. Well, yeah. You know?
0: We're piecing together these connections between cinema and sports, and that's what our podcast is all about. Um, <laughs> it's important work. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, Matt, did you did you see the other night? I'm I'm not sure if this was actually after the Celtics game, but it certainly contributed to it. Just the recent string of losses has turned Cade Cunningham into like a Buddhist monk in the way he addresses. <laughs> post-game interviews and uh I'm I'm curious if you would ever base a character in Losers only off of that.
2: Yeah, well okay. I have I do have stuff to say. Not not specifically about that, but just like press conferences in general. I love the format. You know, in in Boston Johnny, there you know, Boston Johnny will That's take right. a nap and yeah. work out his troubles by imagining he's in a press conference. And like there's just something so hilarious about the whole format, especially in sports, because it's like, you know, it doesn't really matter that much. The questions are all the same over and over again, Always. and the answers are just com- like they they go to they take courses, like you know, yeah. the players
1: it's take extreme courses, extreme lengths to say nothing, <laughs> how to
2: say yeah. nothing, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's just like it, it's just a whole weird uh, back and forth, and so. I I think the format is 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 rife for uh, for comedic uh, stuff. Uh, we we use it in the Christmas the our, the Motor Media Christmas special. There's there's those two, and uh, they'll they'll probably be more in the future. But it it's funny, and and what's funny is like the the interviewer the media get mad at guys who don't give them anything, right? And then and then if a guy actually speaks oh, his mind, then they Tear them apart for me. last.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's yep. My God, that's why I've loved watching Cade this past week. Because you know, you usually get guys just given the same like four or five answers in those conferences. So then you have a guy who's lost thirty games in a row, going down and saying, "I take soulless in the moonlight." Like, like I don't know. That's kind of awesome. Man, yeah oh, and I really mean like, about not being
1: able to, to like to yourself just because I mean you keep on having to get out there and say like yeah I don't know we just lost how long can you do that before you lose your freaking mind and just start saying you know the craziest thing that you can think of
2: yeah so I like a guy I like a loose cannon I'm, I'm pro loose cannon all the way I mean Dennis Rodman he's, he's the best I mean watching him on that last dance documentary like again I get goosebumps just yeah. you know and like He's got some demons he's working out, but oh, yeah. like, boy, can he rebound? You know, and it's, <laughs> it's just like it's and he it's just so, because okay because like any professional athlete is is so focused and single minded and and able to forget about that they can hit shots. What they what they're really good at is spending hours right. repeating like, right. the, the the form of shooting, like. That requires such incredible focus and yeah. such single-mindedness that, and then you throw throw 12 of them in a the locker room and they're all just, com- like, they're all the best that have they've ever been, except now they're surrounded by other guys who are, like, the only other guys at their level, like, that is that is something. It's amazing that they can
1: can <laughs> cooperate at all. You know, I'm always fascinated by locker room dynamics too. That's like my favorite because these people are so weird. Athletes are so strange. Like they are just odd, yeah. odd people. Like um, I had a cousin who worked for the A's um a long time ago, and she used to. I, I I I guess I won't say who, but like there was a guy on the team at the time, and she was like, "Yeah, he's just like a weird guy." Like, they would, you know, she would see him around and try to talk to him, and he would just like not. Be able to have not that he wasn't smart. He's was very smart, right? Like you know, like incapable of communicating like a regular person because his entire life was just sucked up by baseball from the time he was a little kid. You know, as all of them are. But he was like, yeah, so strange, and like, you know, it he's, was cool that he. Yeah, he's <laughs> not a regular
2: person, and Brad, I mean, look, brain. look at like Tom Bra- Tom Brady. Like oh, he is tap Tom- normal. <laughs> he, he tried. He's t- he takes a lot. I think he takes a lot of those like media, how to present yourself in media classes. Yeah. And he just doesn't quite get it because he's like very robotic and very like trying so hard and like forcing that smile. When like, just beneath night. the surface is just like this... Rage filled <laughs> demon. He's like, I must win.
1: beast. Yeah. I must win. It's not even I must win. It's I will not let you beat
0: me. It's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> do you remember last year <laughs> <late> on Supreme? <laughs> do you remember last year on this time, Brady was going to put his like announcing career on hold to pursue stand up comedy? That would have been
2: a- the greatest headline I've ever read in my life. Uh, and like, it was just a little a blip. And I'm like, and no one has even talked about it. I, well, I need some follow up. I want oh, an exact
0: article. Like there. yeah. <laughs> I quote tweeted that like a month ago with just update question. <laughs> yeah,
2: okay, good. Thank we, you. You yeah. get on the case. This could be yeah. a big break for your
0: podcast. If you, we need if you, Brady. Yes. We hear about Brady? Figure it out. Stand up comedy, Kurt. And so. is it
2: just that, like, he's surrounded by yes men in his whole life who yeah, up in everything top. he
1: says? You're funny. <laughs> He is definitely not... That guy does not... He's not funny. That's not related to, like, avocado ice cream working out and, like, you know... Oh wait, he was on like a late show, like like chugging chugging a beer or
2: something. Because like they were like, "Let's make you look relatable." He's like, "I would like to look relatable," (laughs) (laughs) and he shouldn't be relatable, you know? He's like like an ultra successful, uh, competitive (laughs)
1: maniac. When they can actually admit that they're not trying to be relatable, it like people like to have these different. That's why they're idolized because they're not like the rest of us. (laughs) Like, why not? You know, lean into it, use it. I had one last thing. Matt, my mom, about three months ago, showed me a video. She just goes, have you seen this? And it was you sing the Brody Poop song. And like, she had no idea who you were, no idea what it was, but she was like, look, they're saying your name. And I was like, oh, I know that guy. I was like, like, We just watched Boston Johnny. It feels sure like what i know so i'm uh i i have to uh have to let her know that we're we've got you on now but um yeah so thank you for putting my name in a song because i don't get to hear it many uh many places <laughs>
2: yeah well it was a big moment for me where i was like poop songs are popular oh yeah name songs are popular what if i i do three thousand name poop songs uh, Light malt yeah huge moment for me it 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 like uh, it occasionally goes like big viral on TikTok every once yeah. in
1: a while, you know, and I can yeah. see like the waves of uh, popularity. You are made for TikTok. All yeah. like all those very specific
0: sound like you know sound bites that they can use. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, some clips in the new movie, I think, would even be good for like in social media yeah. clips, like the uh, "Do you mind if I use the bathroom?" Yes, I do mind. Go and go pee, go in, pee the- in the trees. A man. Like a man. <laughs> <laughs> that intense close up on his face, like, he like raises his eyebrow. That, that that killed me.
2: Hey, I got I, I got another secret, but I, this one I want to tell you after we stop recording. All right, oh, okay. listener. Sorry, listeners. Sorry, but- guys. It's a secret that you might be able to find somewhere hidden in the DVD, in the Blu-ray of of the new movie. We'll limit that.
1: There you go. Well, maybe uh, stay tuned to uh, the Moturn output and then you can dial in for yourself.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and Matt, Thank you so much for, for coming on today and joining us. This was an absolute delight having you on. Uh, congratulations on the new movie as well as all of the other movies and all of the songs and all of the future movies.
1: <laughs>
0: Thanks. <laughs> Do you have anything that you'd like to plug before we go anywhere people can can find you?
2: Yeah, my phone number is 603-644-0048. Give me a call. In fact, I'll tell you the secret uh, beyond the movie um, if you call me in person.
0: Go call Matt, and you can find him on Twitter or X at Moturn Media, and you can find most of his movies on Vimeo, or you can buy Blu-rays from Gold Ninja Video or wherever else. I might have laughed over the number if you want to say that one more time, just so it's clean. (laughs)
2: 603-644-0048.
0: Give him a call. (laughs) Thank you so much for everybody tuning in. You can subscribe to us if you like the episode at patreon.com slash mudville, uh, and that'll do it for us today. Thank you so much to all the people, and especially thank you to Mr. Matt Farley for joining us on today's podcast (laughs) truly the people's filmmaker oh yeah i will see you all next week